0: questions you always had, the answers
1: you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas.
0: It has been almost 50 years since we landed on the moon, and 16 since the attacks on 9-11. Do you believe the official story about both events? Those who would reject this hypothesis simply because the government and NASA would never lie to us about this or that, clearly do not have a lucid understanding of history. They lied about the JFK assassination. They lied about the Vietnam War, the Gulf of Duncan incident. They lied about 9-11. They lied about Iraq, demonstrating a clear history of establishment subterfuge. Now, this hoax claim does contain a fair bit of conjecture, and we should be careful to separate that from fact. We sometimes, too easily, fall into trap of dismissing someone as a tin hatter without looking at the data. On the more glaring concerns, either A, they destroyed mission data, schematics and footage, because they were covering their trail, or B, they were trying to keep the technology from their rivals. Lest we forget, there was a Cold War going on at the time. B, seems slightly more unlikely because of the immense effort it would take to get to the moon. One would not wish to jettison all that information, Also, why haven't we returned to the moon? Either A, it was a ridiculously expensive exercise the first time, with no real tangible benefits for any government wishing to go on such a mission, or B, they didn't go the first time. One would think subsequent missions would be more cost-effective because of all the available mission data from the first mission, just like with JFK, Man-11, etc., Perhaps we will never know conclusively. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. And to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, you know what to do by now. Just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. And to dissect all of this, tonight's special guest is Morgan Reynolds, Ph.D., a professor emeritus at Texas A&M University and former director of the Criminal Justice Center at the National Center for Policy Analysis headquartered in Dallas, Texas. He served as chief economist for the U.S. Department of Labor during 2001 and two under George W. Bush's first term. His website is linked at VeritasRadio.com and he joins us directly from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Hello, Professor Reynolds, and welcome to Veritas.
2: Good to be with you, Mel. Thanks for the invitation. I always enjoy a conversation about weighty
0: matters. (laughs) Absolutely. May I call you Morgan, by the way? Yes, please do. Thank you. Well, first of all, were you able to discuss all of these topics now that you are retired? I mean, back when you were not retired, you were teaching. Were you able to discuss all these topics that we'll be dissecting tonight?
2: You know, it was a matter of uh, me learning as I went. Uh, I was, f- I felt free on economic issues, including economic policy analysis. For example, uh, that was part of my income was uh, being a policy uh, wonk for the National Center for Policy Analysis, which is a market-oriented uh, uh, firm. A nonprofit um, think tank. So uh, that says there was some, there's a high degree of intellectual freedom. But I've got to say, when I retired, I felt liberated. Now I could uh, go step outside of my uh, trained role as an economist and uh, go uh, much more widely and boldly. And if I'd stayed on the faculty, um, actually, you know, one of the things that happened was uh, Robert Gates was president of Texas A&M University in uh, 04 or 05 when I did this article that uh, got some notoriety, uh, got some notice. It it, uh, went outside my normal uh, readership or bounds. And uh, people, a few people played it up as a former Bush uh, Cheney official questions nine eleven, and uh, uh, Robert Gates, of course, the s- famous CIA spook, and uh, I guess a couple of uh, terms as DOD secretary, and uh, a man I don't respect. He's a smart guy, operator, but after that, it plummets. Uh, at any rate, he said uh, that anyone who uh, questions 9-11 is beyond the pale. That was the shorthand version. And that, that's on my uh, blog, uh, nomoregames.net. You can find it there. But uh, uh, that shows uh, the – and I, I actually criticized that in this uh, volume, uh, American Intellectual Speak Out on 9-11, let me pick that up. The well, very well-known David Ray Griffin and Peter Dale, Dale Scott uh, edited this volume. It's called "9/11 and American Empire: Intellectual Speak Out," and uh, that article is on my uh, blog. But there, uh, what, what did I call that? It was uh, my point about it was that Gates didn't live up to the mission statement at Texas A&M University and uh, the article is called 9-11, Texas A&M University and heresy. Here he's saying this uh most important political event of uh, the 21st century is all wrapped up we all we all know what we saw. That was part of his statement. But hey, this is an important uh it's it's the most important political event uh of the 21st century. So that shows, uh, that, that, that helps us get a bearing on how liberated I was. So I, and, uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy once said, uh, I quote him in uh, one of the articles that uh, he says uh, that uh, in effect, hey, you know, the, the world I thought I was dealing with, I found out it wasn't the real world. So uh 911 was uh, had a big impact on me um in, in that once I uh left my job as chief economist uh at the US Department of Labor which was uh, kind of fun but it was uh I was just intellectual armor for secretary uh, Elaine Chao who stayed on two uh, both Bush terms and now she's the Secretary of Transportation right she's a highly respectable person but she's uh not going to shake anything up or, or do anything, uh, dramatic to, f- to fix us up. And there's, Lord knows there's, uh, lots of problems with the U S and the world. Um, so it, it's been very liberating. And, uh, I, along with Bobby Kennedy and many others have learned a lot, uh, in the last 16 years.
0: Bobby Kennedy, of course, uh, Somebody who's really pushing forward the anti-vaccine movement and the fact that I'm saying this not because I'm an anti uh, that movement. I'm totally in favor of uh, not vaccinating, but that's I, I get attacked all the time. I when I look at California and the fact that they're doing it in a compulsory manner there, uh, that's that's beyond my my. My logic, but you, a couple of things that that just occurred to me. Number one, now since we're talking about, you mentioned Bobby Kennedy, your take on mandatory vaccination, and number two, having been a chief economist, your take on the Federal Reserve and the bubbles that we continue to experience every few decades.
2: Oh, now the Federal Reserve, yeah, that's the um, fount of evils, the work of the devil. <laughs> to be dramatic about it. Uh, that that if I were elected president, which ain't going to happen uh, naturally, but uh, that'd be my first goal would be to get rid of the Federal Reserve because printing funny money is the uh, the source of the welfare warfare state, which is unsustainable. Uh, anyway, both aspects of it, of course, are uh, we are headed to. Uh, Uh, A complete meltdown, Uh, ultimately, the federal government. We just passed the $20 trillion national debt mark. And then that doesn't even include these uh, $150 trillion worth of promises uh, that the welfare state has made. And uh, what ultimately happens is that uh, there there is going to be a default. It's either a hard default or soft default. So this goes beyond... Uh, the, the problem uh, that business cycles, the boom bust, is is uh, a product of artificially low interest rates and uh, funny money. You know, they, the, the the problem started uh, uh, in recent history. Well, there's a continuum. Hey, when they founded it, uh, we know that there's going to be problems. Uh, that the uh, we we need honest money, and that means gold, basically. Okay, silver's a tag along. I like silver too, uh, but precious metals limit. They, they haven't found a way to print uh, gold, so uh, that's the the. It's the people's money ultimately. That's what p- people prefer, and as late as the. Uh, uh 1910 or thereabouts uh 40 yeah, percent of the money supply was gold and silver it's that's real money okay so uh the federal reserve uh be, be, the, hey how can you borrow 20 trillion dollars well uh the, the the reason is that the people the the bondholders and the uh uh, treasury bill holders, the, in other words, the lenders, uh, believe that they will be uh, – their money is safe. They're, uh, they'll get it back plus uh, interest uh, bec- because of the Federal Reserve. So if you put the uh, – you get rid of the Federal Reserve and you have real money – uh, of course, during wars, these uh, historically, these governments would go off. Like, Let's take the Civil War, the War of Yankee Aggression, however labeled. Uh, th- th- that was the greenback, and Lincoln was the greenback president. But uh, there, there was enough morality, uh, bourgeois standards that um, these governments would always uh, return after some years. Uh, to the uh, precious metal standard, and uh, let me make one more point. Richard Nixon, uh, hey, when he uh, August fifteenth, nineteen seventy-one, he cut the last link between the U.S. dollar and gold, even though it was a, it's a the international gold standard. It only mattered between governments. But it really mattered. Uh, you had to uh, restrain your uh, printing uh, because, hey, a, a government like France would come by and say, hey, I want to turn in all these dollars for gold. And that's when Nixon closed the gold window. Well, that freed the Federal Reserve from the last respectability constraint to print. So that's why we are it's an absurd uh, situation now what where um, our our federal Reserve chieftains, in, including the current one, the school Marm, um, Yellen, it's it, uh, they they don't have a clue. you know it's just they are uh, Keynesian slash monetarists with, without uh, the the old-fashioned uh, links I'm talking about. They don't uh, they they think they can uh, centrally manage the economy, there's no reason, for example, to have government, any government bureau, or call it a private banking bureau, to uh, uh, target or manage interest rates. That should just be an interaction. It should be a market phenomenon. It's the most important price. It penetrates throughout the economy. And it's simply an interaction between uh, savers and uh, ultimately investors. And borrowers and lenders. So there's there's no uh, real point to it, except government, of course, uh, has a close link with banking. It's <laughs> follow the money, you know, follow the money.
0: In retrospect, when you look at Nixon, by the way, let me just say this from the beginning. It's such a breath of fresh air to be speaking with somebody who comes directly from academia, but who speaks the truth, and I'm not sensing that you're trying to 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 change your words, to pacify the authority. Uh, you know, I've, I've had many professors who I've interviewed in the past, and you can tell. You can tell they walk a fine line. And I'm glad that you're speaking without any censorship, and I appreciate that. Let's hope that all the interview can be like that. But speaking of Nixon and, and the end of the convertibility of U.S. dollars, do you think he made a golden error by doing this and the reason was to finally remove the last last leash that the Federal Reserve had
2: I doubt Nixon uh, was uh, shrewd enough uh, to really think his way through it and he was surrounded by uh, the, the same uh, the same Keynesian uh, mentality uh, I'm trying to remember the uh, one professor at uh, University of Michigan at the time was it Gardner Ackley? Uh, I think so. Uh, a famous uh, macroeconomic uh, textbook author. And I don't think Nixon, uh, you know, Nixon was a, a, in many ways a clever politician, but I don't think he was principled or tutored in uh, monetary uh, matters to have a, a real, you know, ideological uh Position on it, I might be wrong, but that that would fit with uh, Nixon more generally, and uh, so he he just did the expedient thing. You know, he had more important he thought more important matters like uh, uh, managing the Vietnam War, getting us out of it, recognizing China, and and so on. That was uh, uh, his main. Um, you know, contributions. You could say the legacy. What's going to be my legacy? So it was an easy, uh, short-term expedient to close the uh, gold window. And besides, you know, he he that included a package with wage and price controls. That shows you how how little they knew. You know, oh yeah, you know, big business is raising prices. This is a, no, it. No, it's it has to do with uh, supply and demand for money. And inflation is, uh, as Milton Friedman said, uh, is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. So he took the easy way out uh, wasn't the real interest of his. Now, they, you could have uh, sustained this and it would have been a temporary suspension and we got to get our house in order. And there's nothing wrong with deflation, even though uh, the the powers that be constantly, oh, my goodness, we can't have a, a falling price level. Hey, well, hey think about the, uh, the common um, people. Come on. We, we all enjoy falling prices. And it's not all the objections are, are, are ridiculous. And uh, uh, capitalism, properly understood, of course, is. Um, does involve economic growth, entrepreneurship, technological advance, um, savings being converted uh, pretty more or less wisely into uh, productive assets, uh, rising real wages, Uh, lots of good things that um, most people would concur in. Hey, this is the way. And higher productivity with a constant money supply. Once the thing is money, you don't need any more. It can really only uh, destroy the uh, wealth-producing process. So um, the whole thing about the the, the rationale for the Fed, uh, I am in the process right now of destroying. <laughs> so, and it, and it's because hey, I, I I know a lot about the marketplace, and uh, uh, many people, of course, um, uh, at least once upon a time in the universities, once they encounter a a free-market-oriented economist, they change their politics.
0: Most Americans, they don't really understand the Federal Reserve. To me, the USA was hijacked in 1913. And most people, and most politicians, if they want to come out as, you know, saviors for the American people, they say, we need to audit the Federal Reserve. I don't say audit, I say like you, let's abolish it
2: you know they uh the federal reserve uh reveals part of its uh evilness by resisting an audit and a true independent audit and uh, of course uh, ron paul famously has tried to uh, get this to happen and at minimum it embarrasses them into uh fighting it tooth and nail what are you guys trying to hide you know what about that gold do we really have it <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> So, yeah, you you mentioned the Federal Reserve. You know, 1913, I've argued in front of my students on occasion, is um, the the poorest understood worst year in American history because three bad things happened. One, you had the Federal Reserve authorized. uh, That was like on December 24th when uh, the the American people who didn't really – Uh, To the extent they knew anything, they opposed a European Central Bank. But here they pass it at mid...
1: Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe...